0: of things I want to say as I begin this morning before I get into the message. First of all, I want to say a big thank you to Pastor Nick Dixon for filling in for me last Sunday. Thank you, brother. And uh, uh, did a great job. And again, I say it's always wonderful to have a competent staff who can serve and help while I'm gone and step in and preach God's word and uh, not mess things up. I appreciate that very much. Uh, also earlier, I kept referring in my prayer of dedication uh, for the Litchfield family to Nathaniel, and uh, his name is Judah. So I stand corrected, and I apologize to the family uh, for that uh, faux pas on my part. My heart was sincere uh, as uh, remembering part of his name in that way. But uh, but it's good to be back with you today. And in April. Uh, 16th, 1967, Gary Taylor, a seminary student, was preaching on a Sunday night at my dad's church where he pastored in Euless, Texas. And he was preaching from Peter about following the steps of Christ and a very powerful passage and it's talking about Christ's suffering and we're to follow those steps. Let that that, that be our example to follow. And that night, I, I didn't understand everything, but I knew that I wanted to follow Christ. And so I went down the aisle, they were singing Just As I Am, without one plea, and I came forward and my dad was standing at the front and, and I said, Dad, I want to follow Christ. And he said, well, let's go home and talk about it. So we went home and he explained it more fully to me, of course, I'd been asking questions along the way, it didn't surprise them, but I remember kneeling next to my bed and giving my heart to Christ. Now, as I've grown older, I I realize now what happened. I didn't understand fully then, but I understand now that I gave to Christ as much as I knew to give Him at the time. And so I surrendered my entire life, my entire heart to Him. As I've grown older, I've realized there's a difference between believing in Christ and believing Christ. There's a difference between saying that you're a Christian and living the Christian life. And I think we live in a a culture in America, and it's crept into the church, American pragmatism, that we don't fully understand the gospel and what is required of us. And that's why we've spent a lot of time over the last several months, first of all, the person of interest, helping us understand the validity of Jesus Christ as our Savior, and, and, and what proof is there of that before he got here, while he was here, and after he left? And uh, so we spent quite a bit of time talking about that. And then we've been talking about being reset in that gospel and coming back to the heart of the gospel. And so we've been talking about really the application of it and learning what does it mean to, if we're going to follow Christ, what does that look like? And so today I want to talk about what it means to live in Christ uh, and, and, and applying that. And so the next several messages that I bring to you through the end of November are going to be about this. And this is one of them. Now, the, 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 the sermon today, it got too long. And uh, for your sake, I have split it in half. And so I'm going to share the first point, only the first point today. It's a longer point. And then I'm going to share more next week. And really... Uh, the sermon's complete, but I, there's some things I want to say uh, at, in, in application, and I don't have time to say today as it relates to next Sunday, and so I hope you'll be here because I think it's very important. But today we're going to talk about how we live in Christ and the application of that, and so it's, it's going to lean more toward application for us today. But I want you to open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 1. And we're going to read uh, the text that's for today and next Sunday, but I'm only going to really speak to just a few words because they're very loaded theological words. And I'm not really going to get into theological terms so much as I'm going to unpack it so we can understand it and how to apply it to our lives in a very real way. Paul is in prison, uh, most believe, when he's writing to the church at Philippi. And the, the, the letter to the Philippians, Paul is expressing his joy for them and how to experience joy in the Christian life, especially in the midst of the times that we're experiencing. Remember, Paul is in prison, and he's talking about the joy that we can experience in Christ that he was experiencing, uh, as we often see in the, in the trials and tests that he faced So he says earlier in chapter 1, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. For me to live is Christ, I'm here and I'm able to talk about Christ and experience Christ with you. But if I die, that's a far greater thing. So I'm here and I'm hoping to come see you. And there's, there's one important thing. There's one thing that you need to do. So here it is. Just one thing. Live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or am absent, I will hear about you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind working side by side for the faith of the gospel, not being frightened in any way by your opponents. This is evidence of their destruction, but of your deliverance. And this is from God. For it has been given to you on Christ's behalf... Not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Having the same struggle that you saw I had and now hear about me. All right, I gave my heart to Christ and gave him all I knew to give. And then in my teenage years, I began to face certain pressures that all teenagers face. Life got a little more complicated in trying to live the Christian life. Then I go to college. I'm away from home. Now I can do what I want to do. And I've got to decide, is this for real or not? And how serious am I about the Christian life? And then I get married to my beautiful wife, Karen. Almost 42 years now that we've been married. 42 years we've been married. And you experience marriage. And as young adults, you're trying to figure it out. You begin to have kids. You're experiencing life. And the pressure is on. Those of us who are older... It's important for us to remember the pressure that's on young couples today with children, especially in the culture that we're in right now. God help them. That's why what we did here this morning with these families dedicating themselves unto the Lord, rearing these children according to God's word is so critical in our support and encouragement of them. The pressure's on. And so it's hard to to live out our Christian faith now here's what we're going to talk about today just the first point how do you live in Christ number one you live for the gospel I don't care what happens I don't care how hard it gets I don't care how great the problem is you live for the gospel that's what it's all about and I'll explain it the whole point today is on this right here notice he says just one thing there's only one thing I want you to remember now I might come to see you I might not whether I do or not there's one thing, you have to live for the gospel. He says, live your life. Conduct yourselves. Now, from a grammatical standpoint, this is the main verb in all the verses I just read to you. This is is the verb. This is what everything hinges on. Everything else he's saying is modifying the idea of living for the gospel. Nothing else matters. That's the most important thing that you can do. Now, we get our word, city, From this word, live or conduct your lives. It's the word that we get our word city or politic or political. It can be translated citizen. And so they know that they are citizens of Philippi, which is a city in the Roman Empire, and they're citizens of Rome. But now he's saying, "I, I want you to understand how to live as a citizen of heaven. You're trying to understand how to live as a citizen here on earth. But there's one one thing that's far more important and that's living out your Christian faith in this world that you're in. Live your life as a citizen of heaven. Now, what does he mean? Well, he's saying to them and to us, Paul is, that we have a heavenly origin. That means that God created us. We're not here by accident. We're here by God's intended purpose, which means your life has meaning and value. I was here last night with Access Over 200 people here. And those who have these uh, special needs are created by God himself. Why they have those special needs, God only knows. I'm sure parents and others have asked the question, have cried out the question many times, why? But God knows. And that means that if they are here If you are here, that God created you, your life has meaning about. You have heavenly origin, not earthly origin. Secondly, you have a heavenly home that's waiting for you. But between the two, you're to have heavenly living. And that's why Jesus preached the greatest sermon ever preached, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount, about how to be a citizen, how to live, how to conduct your lives in this way, in the kingdom of God. So what he's saying is, to the, is this to us. Live as a citizen of heaven in unheavenly surroundings. You, you have this surrounding around you that is ungodly. And he said, live your life in a heavenly way. Now what does that mean exactly? Well he explains it, verse 27. Live your life, how? In a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Worthy of the gospel of Christ. Now, the word worthy, we sang that a minute ago. That word was used, worthy. right? What does it mean to be worthy? It means that you're weighing something as much as another thing. It's a scale. And so I put something on one side of the scale. What's its worth? Well, I find out by what I put on the other side of it. Your manner of life should weigh as much as the Jesus that you believe in. How how weighty is Christ? My life should equal that to what I believe about Christ. He's worthy, live a manner worthy of the gospel. Now, we've studied the word gospel before. The word gospel is an English word that we read here. It means God's spell or God's story. The word spell means story. It's God's story. And what's God's story about? Well, it's about His salvation work, what Christ did for us, and what God did through Christ for us on the cross. But it's, it's, it's the story, it's our story of salvation. Romans ten fifteen. How welcome are the feet of those who announce the gospel of good tidings. It's good news. Uh, it's the good news of Christ. Now, what are the elements of the gospel? Well, first of all, it's power. Paul says in Romans 1, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is God's power for salvation to everyone who believes. Alright, so if I want to have a relationship with God, it's through the gospel. It's through Christ. And it's the only way that I can have a relationship with God. And that's why the gospel is so important. That Look, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is God's power for salvation. I'm not ashamed of the church. No, it's not what he said. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because there is where the power is for salvation who's the author well it is God in Christ he says worthy of the gospel of Christ the gospel of in Christ or of God Paul says in first Thessalonians we preached God's gospel to you now why is that important why are we understand the gospel in this way about that God is the author because salvation is not man-made the gospel is not man-made it's God-made for those who may be here, you're seeking, you're trying to discover whether or not Christianity is real, it's valid, what it is, you have questions about it, you're trying to figure out how to know God, have a relationship with Him. Religion is about man trying to find God, trying to get to God. Can I do enough good things so that God would accept me? Christianity, the gospel is about God coming to man in the form of Jesus Christ. And there died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sin. There's a huge difference. It's the difference between heaven and hell. It's the difference between heaven and hell. This isn't about religion. That's, that's what man does. And man's messed that, that up bad. But it's about Christ coming to us. Notice its emphasis. In Acts 20, Paul is saying goodbye to the Ephesians. And he talks about the gospel of God's grace. The emphasis of the gospel is about God's grace, God's unmerited favor toward man. And so he has shown that to you and to me. It's message, what is the good news? It's so simple. Let's go to uh, 1 Corinthians 15 for just a moment. And if you have your Bibles, I want to ask you to circle one important word in Romans 15, verse 1. Paul says, Now, brothers... I want to clarify for you the gospel. You want to circle the word clarify. If anybody ever asks you what is the gospel, you use this word gospel. It sounds like a church word. What is it? Paul says, I want to clarify for you the gospel I proclaim to you. You received it and have taken your stand on it. You are also saved by it. If you hold to the message I proclaim to you unless you believe to no purpose. For I passed on to you as what? Most important. I've received a lot of things. I've heard a lot of things. Now, Paul encountered the apostles themselves. I mean, he knew them. He saw the Lord Jesus on the road to Damascus. And he says, This is the most, I want to clarify for you the most important thing. What does Paul say to the Philippians? This is, there's one thing that's important. Now, what is it? That Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. That means Old Testament Scriptures. That He was buried, that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. Isaiah 53 and other passages of Scriptures. So that's, that's the Gospel. Christ died, He was buried, and He was raised from the dead. Now you have to explain what that means. But that is what the gospel is all about. Notice it's implication that every sinner should not only believe but should repent of their sin and turn to Jesus Christ alone for their salvation. They're living in Christ by faith, by faith. Notice that we're the ambassadors of the gospel. Acts 1-8 says that we're to be witnesses. Notice it's appeal. He uses this word ambassador in 2 Corinthians 5. Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. Certain that God is appealing through us, we plead <clears throat> on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. There's a sense of urgency about this to compel men. So my question is are you living a life worthy in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ? I didn't ask you if you're worthy enough no man's worthy of the gospel because grace is God, what God has done for us that we don't deserve. No man deserves it. No man is worthy of it. But are we living a manner worthy of the gospel? Is it equal to the weight of the gospel to Jesus Christ? So is your lifestyle reflecting Christ, the gospel of the scripture, which you say you believe? Now, I want to drill down for a moment in application about how we do this now. How do we live the gospel, all right? The first thing is this, is that you need to possess the gospel. You need to have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And there are many in this room who do. And there are some who may think you do, but you might not. Because there's still something down deep inside of you that is, is a nagging thought, I don't know if I'm right with God. Now, that could be for several reasons. You might not have assurance because you don't know if you know enough about it. Uh, maybe because of sin in your life, and just because you sin doesn't mean you're not a Christian, but maybe there's a pattern of sin, and it's causing you to really wonder whether or not you know Christ. Or for whatever reason. But today, in just a moment, we're going to sing a song, and I'm going to invite you to come and to give your heart to Christ as your Lord and Savior. And to give, it, to give him as much as you know to give him where you are in your spiritual life. As I grew and, and I experienced all these other things of life I mentioned, I realized that I was a Christian, but there's an area of my life that God reveals to me that is not his. And so I yield that to him. I give that to him and go on down my Christian journey until he convicts me of the next thing. Anderson, you need to give this to me. And so I give it to him and I go on. So you might be here today and you need to possess the gospel. Look, I've said this often. If I ask you, do you know for certain today that if you died you would spend eternity in heaven? And you say, I hope so, I think so, maybe so. Those are wrong answers. They're not good answers. I'll say it again. It's the difference between heaven and hell. John says that these things are written that you might know you have eternal life. Not because of you, but because of Christ. Secondly, once you possess the gospel, you grow the gospel. That's daily maintenance. That's in His Word. You're in His Word. You're spending time with Him. You're praying. You're listening. I read this week that God usually speaks to us Not in the high emotional moments of life. It's in the ordinary things of life that we do. You're driving down the road, and all of a sudden, you just sense God speaks to your heart. You're out working in the yard. and There's something preoccupying your mind. It's heavy on your heart. And you're not necessarily praying. You're just thinking about it. And all of a sudden, you have this kind of aha moment that, yeah, that's right. That's what I need to do. Listen, that's the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart. It's not you coming up with the answer. That's a God moment. It's in the ordinary things of life that we hear God. And and so be aware, pay attention to that. The way you know somebody is to spend time with them. The way we grow is by spending time with Christ. Third, you possess the gospel, you grow the gospel, you share the gospel. That we're to be his witnesses. We're his ambassadors. That we're to live a life in a manner worthy of the gospel. Is the, is the gospel worth sharing? Is it worthy of us sharing and telling others? It absolutely is. Well, somebody will say, well, I don't feel like I, I know enough to share. Well, what, what is it that you don't know? And we'll tell you what you need to know. All right? You know enough if, you, if you've experienced Christ. I told you my story. You see, I had a fear that if I died, I would not go to heaven. And I had that fear totally removed that night when I gave my heart to Christ. I I don't fear uh, dying. I don't want to die today. But if I did and somebody told me you're going to die, then I'm going to heaven. I have that assurance. Somebody will say, well, I don't feel like I have the ability, the physical ability to do it. Moses tried that. And God answer that. And some might say, "Well, I mean, really, Pastor, I'm I'm very limited in my ability to do that." And I understand that and respect that. But let me tell you a story. My many of you know my youngest sister married uh, Dan Hall, who's a pastor for many years, and he um, he was he was doing he was a coaching pastors. About twelve years ago, it was in a hotel in Houston working with the church. He went to go to the bathroom 2 o'clock in the morning. He didn't know he had an embolism. He passed out and forehead hit the doorknob and broke his neck, a quadriplegic from his neck down. Now that changed life radically for him, for my sister, for our entire family. So many things I could say about it. And he had to figure it out. What does this mean? What am I going to do? I'm limited. I have very little ability to do anything. He sits there and will say, Hazel, my nose is itching. Can you come scratch it? And she gets up and she comes over and scratches it. Go sit down. Hazel, I got I, to I blow my nose. It's all day, every day. Wakes up in the middle of the night, has to turn him three or four times. So how how is God going to use Dan Hall? Well, Dan started a church in Madison, Mississippi. He's pastoring a church today. Friday, he spoke to Liberty University students in the convocation. Over 9,000 students were in that room, and he told this story. It's amazing. It's very powerful. And here's, here's what he said. He said that in his research that those who have special needs are the largest minority in America the largest minority in America and what are we doing to reach His whole thing was what are you doing to reach me we're lost and how are you going to come to me and reach me and I want to tell you he had them right there in the palm of his hand and he he challenged them who's going to come out of this crowd a lot of you are going to go lead, be worship leaders and you're going to be pastors. Who's going to reach my crowd? Boy, I was so proud of our church in a, I hope, a humble way to know we had 200 here through our access ministry. And there he is sharing the gospel with his limitations. Look at us. What excuse are we going to give God for not sharing the gospel? Well, I tell you, it convicted me. Notice also, how do you apply the gospel? Now, this is the most important thing I'm going to say today. The gospel is important, but it's the application. This is living in Christ. This is the difference between believing in Him and believing Him. Because this is where the world sees the difference that Christ makes in our life. And you know where they see that most? It's in relationships. The mark of the New Testament. This is documented by those who lived outside the church. That one of the things that was compelling about the Christian faith was how they loved other people. Especially their enemies. There was a class system. And those who were at the top of the class despised the lower class but not the Christians. The Christians were willing to serve and to forgive their enemies and to show compassion to hurting people. These at the top would use others as property. So how do you love others? How do you do that? Again, because when the world sees how we handle this This is what makes Christianity compelling. First of all, be willing to confront your own heart. Be willing to confront your own heart. Jesus said in Matthew 7, Why are you worried about the speck in your brother's eyes when you've got a log in your own eye? James chapter 4 verse 1 says, The reason why you're having problems is because of the war that's within you. So confront your own heart. Listen, in conflict you're either going to have a big heart or a big ego. One of the two. Second, be willing to confess first. Jesus said in Matthew 5, again the Sermon on the Mount. So if you're offering your gift on the altar and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled with your brother and then come and offer your gift. Be willing to confess first. Third. Be willing to overlook. Proverbs 19, 11. Now sometimes you can't overlook things. You've got to deal with the conflict. But Proverbs 19 says this. Verse 11. A person's insight gives him patience. Get the facts. His virtue is to overlook an offense. And then be willing to forgive. So much is said in the Bible, particularly in the New Testament, about forgiving forgiving others. What did Jesus say? If you don't forgive, I'm not going to forgive you. It's a pretty strong statement. And what does that really mean to forgive? It means to release someone. Because the opposite of forgiveness is bitterness. And bitterness means that someone's controlling you. You're allowing that to happen. Now why go through life living that way? That's a horrible way to live. And what's the mark of the New Testament gospel? What's the power of the gospel? It's to be able to release, to forgive. You need to remember that really it's not about you living in Christ. It's about Christ living through you. I can't do any of this on my own. And that's one of the problems in the Christian church is that we're trying to do religion in the strength of our own power rather than truly living in Christ and letting Christ live through us so that our lives glorify Him. I want you to notice chapter 1, verse 6. Paul Paul nails this. I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Now what's he saying? God begins the work. Anything that happens spiritually in our lives, God is the initiator of it. His work is always good. We may not like what's happening, we may not understand it, but what He's doing, it is good. Third, His work is in you. Sometimes you say, well, I see Him working in somebody else. Be patient, God's at work, and God's going to help you through the issue that you're dealing with. What he began, he will complete. You ever start a project and never finish it? Hey, how about your, uh, how about your, your, your uh, new year goals for 2022? How's that going for you? Well, what he starts, the goal for your life, he's going to complete. Isn't that great? He, he's going to make it happen. I just need to trust him and follow him. God's work will not end until the end. Notice he says, work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus, the second coming. So what does that mean? We have a lot of work to do. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? There might be somebody here this morning who would say, Pastor, I've never given my heart to Christ. You said that we're going to sing a song and invite people to come to Christ. Well, that's what we're getting ready to do. And so the first note, of this song that we're going to sing, I'm going to ask you to step out into the aisle and come and talk to one of our pastors about beginning a journey of faith with God. Experiencing the reality of the gospel, the good news of Christ in your heart. You have questions, we'll answer them. You're not sure what to do when you come down here, well, we know what to do, don't worry about it. There might be others today, many in this room who would say, Pastor, I know the Lord, but be honest, I don't know if I'm really living in Christ. Living for the gospel. But that's the one thing. That's the priority of my life. Is that my life would glorify God. And that others would see the reality of the gospel. In what I say. and what I do. And ask the Lord to help you. Maybe there's something that's holding you back. A person. A circumstance. A pattern of sin in your life. Ask the Lord to help you overcome those things. And, And be encouraged. Look, it's it's time for you to release yourself. Rather than trying to control your life, manage your life, it's releasing your life to Christ and letting Him live through you to experience the fullness of the gospel of Christ. God may be leading some of you to come and be a part of our church family. Look, it's tough out there. It's unheavenly. And we need to get as much of heaven as we can. And part of that is being around the body of Christ. So I want to encourage you to come and be a part of our church family here. There are others who may need to pray here at the altar alone. Maybe you want someone to pray for you. You let us know. We'll do that. Father, I thank you for the power of the gospel. How it transforms lives. Lord, how it it really is the one thing, the most important thing in all of life and it sets our life it resets our life it puts it all in order and in balance as we're completely yielded to you so help these today wherever they are in their lives and the things that they're experiencing the challenges of life God may they be encouraged may they be fully yielded to you allowing Christ to live through them for your glory. Help these now as they come in Christ's name, amen.